Well, good morning, church family. It is so good to gather with you again today uh, on the Lord's Day to worship Him and to lift high the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, last week was Easter, um, and what a, what a fantastic celebration Easter is each year. And I'm left this year asking myself, how do you, how do you follow up with Easter? How do you, how do you top that? And the reality is that we don't have to top that. For every Sunday, we proclaim He is risen. And yet, the church calendar also gives us some help there. Uh, as, as we follow the church calendar year, there's actually seven weeks of Easter, seven, seven Sundays of Easter, followed up by Pentecost Sunday, uh, which happens this year on May 31st. So I just want to welcome you today to the second Sunday of Easter this year. Uh, and it's good to gather. It's good to be brought together around the word, um, uh, around the truth that we find in God's word uh, as we worship each week. Um, but I, I love how the church calendar year does that for us. It helps us hang on. It helps us grasp uh, and hold on to um, the moments that are so significant uh, in, our, in our church calendar year. The, the fact that Christmas goes on uh, for the 12 days of Christmas. The, the fact that Easter has seven Sundays of Easter before we, before we move on. And so today we celebrate, we proclaim, He is risen. Uh, he is risen indeed. Uh, and we celebrate and we worship Jesus Christ today in that reality. Uh, today, I'd like to read from the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 20. We're actually following up the, the lectionary texts follow just immediately after uh, the text that we covered last week uh, in John, chapter 20. So uh, today, I'll be reading from John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 31, reading today from the Common English Bible. John chapter 20, starting in verse 19. It was still the first day of the week that evening while the disciples were behind closed doors because they were afraid of the Jewish authorities. Jesus came and stood among them. He said, peace be with you. As the father, excuse me, after he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. When the disciples saw the Lord, they were filled with joy. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you don't forgive them, they aren't forgiven. Thomas, the one called Didymus, one of the twelve, wasn't with the disciples when Jesus came. The other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he replied, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, put my finger in the wounds left by the nails, and put my hand into his side, I won't believe. After eight days, his disciples were again in the, in the house, and Thomas was with them. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus entered and stood among them. He said, Peace. Be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. Look at my hands. Put your hand into my side. No more disbelief. Believe. Thomas responded to Jesus, My Lord and my God. 
Jesus replied, do you believe because you see me? Happy are those who don't see and yet believe. Then Jesus did many other miraculous signs in his disciples' presence, signs that aren't recorded in this scroll. But these things are written so that you will believe that Jesus is the Christ, God's Son, and that believing you will have life in his name. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. We need to start today right where we, where we left off last week. Uh, this, is, this is the same day, Easter Sunday. This is the same day uh, as we start the text for this week that, that Mary had gone to the tomb, that Mary had seen the stone rolled away. And what did she do? She ran back and got Peter, uh, John. They ran to the tomb. It says that John looked in and saw the empty tomb. It says he saw and believed. Then Peter and John kind of leave the story. They, they left uh, Mary to her own devices and, and Mary stuck around. She got to see Jesus um, uh, and that, that miraculous um, appearance that Jesus had to Mary uh, and this encounter with him. And then she went back to the disciples, told them everything she had seen, everything she had heard um, and, and what Jesus had, had spoken to her. And where were the disciples? It says behind closed doors, stuck inside, afraid of the authority, still wondering, is Jesus's fate going to be our fate? You know, this is part of why we, we, we don't really understand what it, what it means when it said John saw and believed. Because in the midst of that, John was, was a part of a group that were still behind closed doors still afraid of what the authorities were going to do. Um, have you heard of this? There's this uh, thing called Plato's Cave. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, um, uh, but philosophers sometimes talk about Plato's Cave. Uh, it's, a, it's a story, a, a made-up story of, of folks who had spent their whole life imprisoned in a cave, chained to the wall, unable to get out. Um, and, and as the world happened around them, uh, they, would, they, they saw on the wall these shadows of these objects and these people that would pass by the, the cave or, or, or cast a shadow into the cave. And so this became their reality. This is all they had ever known. This is all that they had ever seen. Well, one day, one of these prisoners escapes, escapes the chains and, and ventures out into the world and and sees, sees fire and, and walks outside and sees the sun and was blinded for a moment and then realized the vast uh, array of, of colors and life and the extraordinary diversity that we find in the world in which we live uh, and, and was just amazed. It was extraordinary compared to these shadows that he had seen cast on the wall of this cave for his entire life. Eventually this guy has some compassion and has some mercy and goes back and and sees his friends that he was chained to the wall with um, and sets them free. And, And the response of these people who in their new freedom, they, they, they were invited by this 
one who had gone out, who said, come and see, come and join me. And their response was fear. They huddled in the cave. They, did, they didn't want to see this, this new reality. They didn't want to see and believe all that could happen. I, I see the disciples a little bit in this way, that, that the world had been transformed. The world had taken new shape for Christ had been risen. There is a new reality present for those that follow Jesus Christ. And they're still stuck in behind closed doors, still locked away. Uh, and we wonder, what's, what's going on in their brains? How, how can they still be behind closed doors, huddled in their cave? What we do know is that, that Jesus intervenes. Jesus shows up, still with the doors locked, still behind closed doors. All of a sudden, Jesus is present and he offers his peace. I can just imagine the chaos, right? I, I wish I could clip in a video maybe of, of tables being flipped and people going crazy and, and, and uh, just things going wild. Jesus has showed up and here are the 11 disciples saying, what in the world? Actually, we find out later that it was 10 disciples, Judas being gone, Thomas being gone. What in the world? And Jesus says, peace be with you. What would that scene look like? How crazy would it be? Do you have those unbelievable moments in your life? Do you have those moments where you're like, this just cannot be happening right here, right? Uh, <laughs> you stopped and paused and thought, I, 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 I'm, I'm in moments of... Of disbelief. I, I just don't get it. What is going on? I've had moments that are extremely high, extremely celebratory. I've had moments that are extremely low. So sad. The, bl <laughs> the blood drains from, from your body and you're left in utter disbelief. And Christ says, peace be with you. Um, growing up, I would frequently visit um, my grandparents who lived in Bellevue, Washington, um, and my mom's parents. And, and they went to an Episcopalian church in Bellevue, Bellevue Washington called Church of the Resurrection. Um, and, and they're very, uh, what is called high church, very liturgical. Um, we would go to Sunday morning services and, and they would go to the prayer service. And each week the same thing would be said for I don't know, 80-85% of the church service was, was scripted. Um, and uh, I, I used to, to think it kind of boring and kind of, I, I didn't know why this is how they worshipped. Uh, as, I, as I grew older, it became a, a source of great and deep comfort for me and, and a very worshipful moment as I worshipped there at the Church of the Resurrection and in Bellevue, Washington. But a part of this service was what they call the passing of the peace. Uh, and so it's much like um, greeting time in, in our church, but, but as they would walk around and greet people, they would shake hands and they would say, peace of the Lord, as, as they shook your hand. Now, when I was growing up, what I heard was, 
peace of the Lord, like P-I-E-C-E. <laughs> I went around gathering pieces of, of the Lord <laughs> as I went through service. It was great. Uh, I, I now understand, uh, I, it took me a while, but I eventually caught on that they were talking about peace, P-E-A-C-E, peace of the Lord. I have such great appreciation now for this ritual, this, this moment where we get to be for one another, the peace of Christ, and, and offer that to one another. Uh, as, as I grew up into my teenage years and my college years and became to appreciate this worship service and, and style uh, much, more, um, much more deeply, it was an offering of the peace of Christ that came from these saints. It was, a, it was an older church, uh, lots, of, lots of gray hair, but to have the peace of the Lord offered to me. Have you known those people in your life? People who, as they speak to you and as they talk to you, offer a sense of the peace of Christ, even as you talk to them, even as you interact with them. I want to be I want to be one of those people. I want to be one of those people that, that have the peace of Christ to offer to others that I meet. Uh, jumping back to the disciples upon inspection of his scars, you know, I, I think they start flipping out again. Like, it's really him. It's really, it's really, it's really Jesus. Um, and yet, even in the inspection of the scars, we realize this, that, that the wounds of sin and the scars of our histories, they, they have an impact on us. They, they, haven't, they, they haven't disappeared. I had one commentator that says this, the, the wounds of sin and the scars of history have not disappeared, but have been re-narrated and redefined as reminders of the depth of God's grace. Our, our scars aren't removed. The wounds haven't disappeared. Oftentimes we have, to, we have to bear the burden of those scars and of that trauma for years to come. We all understand that. We all have experienced that. Uh, one of my professors, uh, Dr. LeClaire, uh, is... is working on a book about that, that talks about um, the other side of forgiveness, the fact that, that we have this really great theology for those who repent of their sins, who say, say, Lord, please forgive me. We understand what God does. We understand the difference that he makes. But the church has struggled to develop a theology for the ones who have been victimized, the ones who have experienced trauma at the hands of another person. And, and it's, at times, we've been pretty callous towards those people that, that we say, you know, they, they ask for forgiveness and, and God has forgiven them. Um, and for those that remain traumatized, for those that continue to bear the scars, continue to be wounded, we struggle. But I think there's an answer, uh, certainly not exhaustive uh, answer, but I think there's hope for all people in the peace of Christ.
I'm captured by this concept of peace as presented here. Um, one commentator, Lyons, writes this about, about peace. Uh, the the peace, peace comes in two fashions in the world. The first is like an absence of hostility, right? An absence of, of violence. That if, if we can not have fighting, that that sounds like peace. And that's true. The, the other common way that, that is, it's spoken about in the world is the sense of, of inner, tranqu- inner tranquility, where, where all, all, is, all is right in our own world, in our interior life, and, and we are content with the place that we are. And that's, that's another form of peace. This is not the peace that Jesus offers. This does not reflect the peace of Christ that comes uh, throughout the Gospel of John. There's this theme that the peace is coming and it will come via the Spirit of God. It, it won't look like the world's peace. It won't look like a total absence of hostility that everything comes up roses. It's not about this, this hyper uh, interior life that we're just settled and we're calm and, and at peace we have a uh, have some sort of mystic spirituality where everything um, is at peace within us. This is a peace that transcends the opposition that we find in the world. The the tumult and the chaos of the world can't touch this peace. Jesus' peace is a peace that understands that there will be trouble in this life. But Christ has overcome the world. That his spirit has, has somehow been received by us and, and in that receiving of the spirit that Christ becomes our peace. And Jesus walks in to these disciples and says, my peace be with you. Peace be with you. For the Gospel of John, uh, it's, it's essential that this peace, the peace that Jesus brings, is tied to the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the coming advocate that would come at the conclusion of Jesus' ministry. Even, even in this passage, it is, it's tied. Um, John recounts that, that Jesus offers to the, to the disciples to receive the Holy Spirit. Now, that's a little tricky for us. I already talked about Pentecost someday coming um, uh, May 31st this year. That's when we'll talk about Pentecost. That's when the tongues of fire came uh, upon the house where the, where the believers were. Do you remember this from Acts 2? Uh, we, we don't have time to unpack the differences there or, or to try to figure out what the gospel writers uh, each are doing. Um, and, and honestly, there's not a lot of agreement uh, by biblical scholars about the differences between the Acts 2 account and the account that we find here uh, in John chapter 20. But for us, the point is simply this, that the peace of God comes via the Spirit of God. The peace that Jesus offers, even to the disciples, even in this passage, is connected to the receiving of the Holy Spirit. And, and that's, what, that's what strikes me, is that not only is, is the Spirit connected to that peace, but it's also connected to what Jesus says. Uh, it's connected to the peace that comes from Christ that's through the Holy Spirit, the church. You and me are given our mission. 
What does Christ say? What does Christ say in that passage? Did you, did you see it? Did you hear it? Did you catch it? This is to us. This is to you and to me. He says this, peace be with you as the Father sent me. So I am sending you. You know, there, there's a commission in, in the book of Matthew. It gets a lot more attention than this commission uh, in John chapter 20. Matthew's commission gets all the publicity, right? Go and make disciples of all the nations. That's even uh, the mission statement of the Church of the Nazarene is, is making disciples of the nations. Um, but, but Matthew says, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, even until the end of the age. It's a popular one. It's a great commissioning sentence. A, a great call for the church, but, but I like this one in John too. It, it's context and then how it's so, so... Um, so nearly placed with the resurrection of Christ and his appearance to them this first time out of the gate, Jesus knows and Jesus understands. Jesus defines for his disciples how they are to live and what they are to do. Two things strike me here. A, the, the peace of Christ comes first. The peace of Christ comes first. His peace is, is offered first in order to prepare us and to equip us for service in this world. Uh, there's times when I don't have a lot of peace. There's times when I let the circumstances around and, and everything that's going on frustrate me and, and get me off center, get me out of a place where I'm prepared and equipped to serve the world in which I live. I think there's no accident that, that twice Jesus says, my peace be with you, before he makes this statement. The second thing that, that stands out to me here is that our approach into this world is the same approach that Jesus was given by God the Father when he was sent. We are the manifestation of the presence of God in our world. It's so important to connect these two that peace comes first. And then we get to be the presence of God in the world in which we, in which we live. I think this is true. We can't represent Christ without the peace that Christ offers. There's simply no way. It's also very tough to, to overstate and, and to exaggerate the significance of the incarnation of Christ for this world. The, the difference that it made, the, the, the recasting of the covenant between God and creation was, was found in this incarnation of Christ. And, and yet the commissioning we receive in the Gospel of John is to go and do likewise in the world in which we live. Go continue what Christ was sent to do. I think that's equally powerful. I think that's equally transformational that the, the mission of Christ is now given to the church, to those that would believe. That is our call, church. That is what we're called to do. That is what we're called to be. Do you feel sent today? 
uh, we often frame Jesus's mission on on earth as, as very uh, specific. He was sent with a mission sent by God. That's us. That's us today. That's how we get to live today. I think in our lives, I think, I think in my life, sometimes I lose some of that. I, I don't see or perceive or understand the urgency of God in the way in which I live. Um, and yet I think today that there is no better time, no better period of time that I can think of where, where we need to be reminded of this truth right now. Church, we are sent into the world, just as Christ was sent to our families, to, to our church family, to our neighbors, to our community, to serve as Christ served. Even now, how do we do that? How do we love? How do we serve? How do we lay down our lives for those around us? That's our task. That's our joy. That's our privilege in the world, even in the midst of all that's going on. This story in scripture concludes with the short piece about Thomas, uh, also called also called Didymus, the, the, the doubter, right? Thomas the doubter. His story is, is unique in the Gospels. He really gets a bad rap. But I often wonder how I would have responded. You know, 10, 10 disciples going crazy when I came back. You're never going to believe who we saw. I'd be like, yeah, right. Uh-huh. Are you guys trying to pull one over on me? I, I, I don't know how I would have responded. We don't have time to unpack that this morning. Um, but what we do have is a, is a beautiful picture of what happens when we follow the call. When we live into this call that, that, that God has given us, this call that, that we are sent to the world just as Christ was sent into the world, what will happen? What will happen when we lean into that and live into that? There will be those who believe, even without seeing, even without putting their hands in the side of Jesus. There will be people who believe without seeing the scars of Jesus firsthand. That, that is why we are sent. That is why we are sent into this world just as Christ was sent. We are the new incarnation of God. We are the manifestation of God's presence in this world, the ambassadors of Christ for this world that desperately needs him. Oh, may we live that way, church. May we live that way. Would you pray with me? Oh God, we lift high your name today. Thank you. Thank you for calling us. Thank you for, for putting us on the front lines of what it means to, to be your representatives in the world in which we live. Even today, even in the midst of everything that's going on. Oh God, would you be with us? Help us to live According to that call, help us to live in awareness of that. Help it to not be this, this thing on the side, this, this, oh, that's a nice thought. But may it inform our every day. May it call us as we wake up in the morning to, to be your representatives. We love you. We worship you today. 
Thank you for this call. Thank you for this reminder of who we're called to be in the example of Christ that you gave us. Help us to live this way, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Well, may you receive this blessing today. May, may, may we live into the calling of Christ that we are sent by God into this world as Christ was sent. And may we be faithful, especially, especially in these days, to respond as the called ones of God in this world. Go in the love of Christ. Amen.